precious word. We thank you for illuminating us. We thank you for light coming from the word of God on tonight. We thank you, God, for quickening us, God, according to your word on tonight. We thank you that our hearts are open and receptive to receive your right now, Rema word on tonight. We give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you praise. And Father, I thank you that I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. We didn't have a test because I wanted to finish up repentance. I don't know about you, but going over this with repentance, it make you look at yourself. How many have seen themselves through the teaching on repentance? How many have been watchful through uh, this teaching on repentance? Next question. How many have been quick to repent after you got this teaching on repentance? It helps you to think about where you are in him. Um, we talked about repentance is to have a change of mind. It's to turn from sin unto God. So when you repent, you turn from what you're doing and you turn to God. That means when you recognize that what you're doing is wrong, you turn from it. We went over several scriptures. I'm going to go over them briefly. Ezekiel 14, 6. We talked about how the Lord told them to repent and turn yourself from your idols and turn away your faces from all your abominations. So Lord, the Lord spoke through Ezekiel to tell the people, you need to turn away yourself. That means... Um, to repent. Repent means to turn yourself. So anytime in the scriptures, when you see repent in the Old Testament, sometime after that, they have turn yourself because that's what repent means. So he was telling them, this is what you got to turn away from your uh, idols, your abominations. So he was telling them, this is what you have to do. Also in Ezekiel um, 1830, he's saying the same thing. Repent and turn yourself from transgressions and iniquities. So he's telling them again, he go the idols, he go the abominations, he go the iniquities, he go transgressions. All of this represents sin. He's saying, repent, turn away from it. So he's giving them a warning. How many know that God always give us a chance to let go of what we're doing? And sometimes when the Holy Spirit reminds us of what we're doing that's not right, he's giving you that opportunity to turn, to turn away from it. And when we get stubborn and we, when we get rebellious and we feel like this is what I'm going to do no matter what, God ain't going to stop you because you have a will. And this is why so many people go through different things. It's not because God wants you to go through them. It's because you're being disobedient to what the Holy Spirit is telling you not to do. Um, Zechariah 1 verse 3 is saying the same thing. Turn ye unto me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will turn unto you, says the Lord of hosts. So he said, turn unto me. God is saying, let go of what you're doing. Turn unto me. Um, the last scripture um, on that is 2 Chronicles 7.14. He goes on to say, humble yourself and pray. Seek my face. Turn from your wicked ways. And I will hear from heaven and I will heal the land. So all four of these scriptures is talking about repent, turn yourself. That's what repent is. It means that you're changing your mind. You're turning away from sin and you're turning unto God. So that was the foundation dealing with um, repent. I went in Matthew 4:17, where Jesus came in on the scene. And after Jesus was baptized, he was full of the Holy Ghost and he began his ministry. 
Jesus began to say, repent, for the kingdom of God is near you. Why would Jesus come out and say repent? Because Jesus was bringing a message of good news concerning the kingdom. And as he was bringing this message, it will have the people to have a change of mind towards sin and turn to God. Because he's giving them the good news concerning the kingdom. He's giving them the good news on what God has sent him to do. So he said repent. And repent also means to change your thinking. When you repent, you're changing the way you were thinking, and you're thinking according to the word of God. I'm telling y'all, this, this teaching on repentance, the more I kept going over this, I had to stop and say, Holy Spirit, search me. Is there something in my life that I haven't turned away from? Because sometimes we get into denial. Sometimes we get so used to doing what we do, we don't see ourselves, but we see everybody else. It brought me to um, David in the scripture in 1 Samuel uh, the 11th chapter, it talked about, no, Second Samuel, the 11th chapter, it talked about David and Bathsheba. Y'all know what David, I mean, is it David? Yeah, what David did with Bathsheba. And David started out with murder. That murder ended up uh, dealing with lying. Then it ended up, uh, what, first it was lying, becoming a murderer, then becoming an adulterer. All of that was all in one thing. David didn't just stop in the beginning what he was doing. He kept right on doing it. It was just like a pattern. And David got so comfortable in what he did that he went on about his business. But God sent a prophet unto David. And a prophet, um, Nathan, ended up telling him, you know, this, this parable or this story. And David became angry because He was saying, I will handle this man. And he said, this is what this man will do. Um, This is what I will do towards this man. And Nathan said, you are that man. One thing that I like that David did when he told him, you are this man who committed this act, David said, I have sinned against God. So David recognized it wasn't about man. It was what I did against God. He knew everything that he did was against God. And this is why we go to Psalms 51. When you read Psalms 51, it's David pouring out his whole heart unto the Lord. And you can tell by David pouring out his whole heart that he was really uh, sorrowful for what he'd done. He said, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Verse 3, for I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Think about that. When you have done something that you know that you should not do, I don't know a person in this room that can keep going on with life because it's going to ever be before you. Um, I was hearing about this story of this man that he had killed someone. And when he had killed the person, he had to live with, this is a true story, the person that he had killed. When he would go to bed at night, the person he had killed would come into his room and he would tell them, leave, you know, leave me alone, leave me alone. He was so tormented with what he had done that he couldn't even rest at night. This is what I don't understand. When someone do someone wrong, and you know you done them wrong, you should have problems laying down at night. Not that I'm saying you should be tormented, but you should be restless knowing what I did was wrong. So this is David. David was really 
crying out. He said, I acknowledge my sin. Some people don't even say they acknowledge their sin. They look at everybody else. If you had not done this, I wouldn't have done what I did. That goes back to the Garden of Eden. Look at Adam and Eve. Adam said, it was that woman you gave me. He didn't take full responsibility for Adam. He was putting his wife in on that thing. His wife didn't make him do it. She just offered it to him and he took it. But that's what we do. Well, I wouldn't have done this if you hadn't have done this. No, it don't work like that. So David was truly repenting. And then he began to go on and say, he said, against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou may be justified when thou speak and be clear when thou judge. And then he go on with the rest of it. So he's asking God to purge me, to cleanse me. Because he knew that he did not want to be this way. When we are truly sorry for what we've done, you don't have to wait on no one to tell you what to do and how to. You already know what you've done. But see, it got so far with David that God did have to send Nathan. But when he sent that prophet, David was um, ready to acknowledge, it's me, O Lord. He didn't look at Bathsheba. He didn't look at Uriah. He looked at himself. So we need to look at ourselves before we look at anybody else. That's why the Bible said, he who have not seen, remember Jesus said, let him cast the first stone. Those men knew we're casting stones at her, but we done done some things that she's already done. So Jesus was making that known. So they had to drop the stone. So that's why I say when we're doing this teaching on repentance and you really meditating on this, you can't do nothing but drop stones that you hold it in your hand against people waiting on them to tell you I'm sorry when you should be the one that's so humble to say, forgive me, I was wrong. Because you don't want the enemy having inroad in your life and that thing holding you and keeping you from receiving what God has already provided for you. So David is an example where he was crying out with his whole heart. He was truly asking God to forgive him. Thank God for Jesus Christ because because of him and what he has done on our behalf, guess what? The, the price have already been paid, past, present, and future sins. And that's why we're ending up with the teaching on repentance because if you know you're justified it, through Jesus Christ, you've been made righteous through Jesus Christ, where you can approach God in confidence and boldness, and you know that... Um, you've been put in right standing with him and you know all of these things, then we shouldn't have a problem with saying, God, forgive me. That was wrong of me because you cleared me of all of this. And when you know what he's cleared you from, you don't want to go back into that stuff that he has washed completely away. So the more you get into the word of God and know you're justified, you're sanctified, you're set apart, you in right standing with him. You've been separated from all of that stuff. Why would you go back in it? And see, that's what the enemy wants. He wants us to forget who we are now that we're in Christ. So by you having these teachings on justification, sanctification, and righteousness, you should be more quick to say, woe is me, and begin to close that door on those things that you know is not right. I know sometimes we are so quick to say, she or he did it. Have we ever said, woe is me, God, I ain't looking at them. Look at me. Lord, show me what I'm suppressing in my life or what I yet don't see. 
What is the enemy using on me? Because if you have any guilt or any condemnation, it's a door open somewhere. If you're feeling guilty after you done said something, you done opened the door somewhere. The enemy got something on you because it's bothering you. There's not a person in this room. You cannot tell me you don't get bothered when you know you said something or done something that's out of the character of God. And if you've done it or said, ain't no way you can be around that person and think that everything is okay. You can't even be still because you know it ain't right. And anybody that goes past that, you need to check your relationship. You need to really say, Holy Spirit, are you still there? Lord, something is not right because I don't feel no remorse. You know, some people say that's what they should have got. How can somebody say that? What if Jesus said that they got what they deserve? I'm not going to die for them. So when we don't have no remorse when somebody is going through, then there's something wrong, y'all. We need to go back in and say, God, something is blocking the love of God that's in me. Show me what's blocking this love that I should have for people the way that you had this love for me. Sometimes people can get on your last nerve. You know we got more than one nerve. And we try to tone them out. We don't want to have nothing else to do with them. We don't want to look their way. We don't care if we don't even see them no more. Have you ever been so hurt by somebody that you just toned them out and they're in the house and you're in the house, but they're just there and it don't mean nothing to you? If they told you that they broke an arm, you'd be like, okay, you'll be all right. Because that's just how that hurt do you. You don't care no more. Because when a person truly hurts you and you know they hurt you and they wounded you, your heart is broken. In your mind, you're saying, you can break the other one for all I care. Don't make me know, never mind. That just shows you how much you have pondered on that stuff and you're not hearing the Holy Spirit. But see, when you hear the Holy Spirit, no matter who hurt you or what they done and you have a relationship, you're going to be quick to cast down that thought. Say, uh-uh, that's not right. That's not right. You're going to begin to pray for your worst enemy. Why? Because you know who you are. You know who you represent. And I believe tonight God is bringing this as I open my mouth because there's something in the room that's going on. Because the Holy Spirit is flowing in this area for some reason because this wasn't even a part. God had me. I was going to go over David, but God done switched my table around to bring something else in for some reason. Have you noticed how God will switch something around on you and say, well, Lord, what in the world is that? I'm going to go that way. I'm just going to flow because I flow as I hear the Holy Spirit. I don't even think about it. I just keep it moving. Why? Because I can feel the Spirit of the Lord bubbling up in me and saying, okay, God, there's something that you want to bring to the body of Christ. Y'all, these teachings, as Apostle Cross would say, they're off the chain. And if we would grab hold of these teachings, we wouldn't have time to find fault in everybody else. We will take these teachings and say, Lord, search me. Okay, Holy Spirit, I use me out, mind using me. Some people say, you tell all your business. Ain't really business. It's nothing that I'm ashamed of. I remember one day, me and my husband, I always talk about me and my husband. We were sitting there one day and... I was telling my husband, my husband had asked me something and I come back at my husband thinking I had explained this thing right to my husband, but I didn't explain it right. So by not explaining it right, it brought some strife between us. And I felt bad that my husband felt that way because that's not the way I wanted it to be. So this is what I did, y'all. This is what hurt me the most for my husband to think I was a way that I wasn't. 
So what I did, I went in there, and I believe it has something to do with, y'all know when your children is involved, it makes it even hotter, don't it? When they try to throw you, the thing that it was, I think Jeremy had mentioned something, his old Jeremy, had opened his mouth about something that, do you remember that incident about Jeremy was saying I, um, I left area at school? Did anybody think I would leave my daughter at school? Okay, that's what Jeremy said. I was on the phone having a conversation, trying to get something situated. So I told the person when I looked at the clock, I knew it was about time to pick her up. So I was letting Jeremy know, okay, let your daddy know he need to get Ariel, right? Got off the phone. Old Jeremy going to tell his daddy he forgot about Ariel. A little instigator, that's what he was. See, the devil was already using him, right? So my husband going to come in there. You remember that incident? He's telling me, you forgot your daughter. And I'm looking at him like, okay, you should know me better than that. You know I'm not going to leave my daughter at school like that. So that's what hurt because, you know, so I'm trying to explain it to him anyway. Long story short, when I felt like he felt that I would do that, I was like, Lord, what in the world? Show me me. So I didn't say anything. I just went in prayer with the Holy Spirit. And I said, Holy Spirit, show me how to bring this to my husband so we can cut the ice in this room. Because I know what I would never do. I can't prove it to him, but show me. And y'all, this is no lie. The Holy Spirit allowed me to come in and explain this in a way that it settled the whole thing. Now, I could have hardened my heart and kept it to myself and act like I was okay and then the next incident that come up, I would have threw that up, and I would have threw that the newest incident up, and it would have been hot as a barn fire. You hear me? But I had to solve that because if I didn't solve that, when something else come up, it was going to really be a fight, y'all. Can y'all imagine pastor being in the paper trying to fight her husband? <laughs> Seriously. And then I would come up with something to justify that thing. You know how you come up and justify stuff. But what I'm saying is if I hadn't resolved that then and we hadn't got it settled. But the first thing I started doing, y'all, was repenting. I said, Lord, if it's me, show me me. If it's something I don't see myself. Because I remember him saying, you always think you don't do nothing wrong or something like that. He said to me out of his mouth. And I said, Jesus, do he think I think I don't do nothing wrong? What's wrong with me? That's when I shut up in my office because I said, Lord, I fall just like everybody else. But if he's thinking that, it's something I've done along the way and I need your help. That's how you handle things. Don't let the enemy get so much in that thing that it puts you in a place that your house is tore up. So after that, when we was trying to get it right, oh, little instigate Jeremy. Mama, you know you were going to leave area. You know you were going to leave area. I remember when you left me. I remember when I rode the bus. I said, now I know you lying because your behind ain't never been on no bus. Who put you up there except for a field trip and we behind the bus? I said, you come up with some stuff we don't know nothing about. <laughs> but he was instant and laughing about it. I said, ain't nothing funny about this because you don't got me started. I know I got to go pray. So this is what I'm saying. <laughs> True repentance. When you truly repent, and that's where we're going next, dealing with when you truly repent, there's godly sorrow. Go to 2 Corinthians, the 7th chapter, 8 through verse 12. This is Paul talking to the Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 7, 8 through 12. 
He said, if my letter made you sad, I am not sorry I wrote it. At first, I was sorry because it made you sad, but you were sad only for a short time. Now I am happy, not because you were made sad, but because your sorrow made you change your lives. That means it led to repentance. So what Paul was saying, the letter that he wrote to them, it made them sad. But Paul said it was not his intentions for that to happen, but being that it did, he's glad because it led to repentance. They had a change of mind. But then he went on to say, you became sad in the way God wanted you to, so you were not hurt by us in any way. The kind of sorrow God wants makes people change their hearts and lives, leading to salvation, and you cannot be sorry for that. See, when you truly repent, your life is going to change. It's going to lead you to salvation. It's going to lead you in that right direction. When you see somebody that's truly sorry for what they do, there's a change. They're not going to go back that way then no more. Their thinking have changed. Their way of doing have changed. Their lifestyle have changed. They don't even have to tell nobody that they have changed. Anytime you see a person and say, haven't I changed? Haven't I changed? You see a change in me. Mm. And then sometimes people sit there and don't say nothing. That's because you're trying to make people look at your change. The life you live is going to speak that a change have come. This is why even in relationships, even in marriages, if that marriage is on the rocks and that woman began to serve Jesus and she began to love on him, that husband going to know a change have taken place without that woman telling him. That woman going to know a change has taken place with that husband without that husband telling her. Y'all remember um, War Room? That was a good movie, wasn't it? Do you see what was going on in her family and how distanced they were? But when she began, don't God always have somebody in place for you? That old woman played you that part, didn't she? And I mean, she stuck with her. She gave her pointer. She told her what she needed to do. This woman began to leave her husband alone. She began to go into prayer. She began to seek God. And even when the husband was going to mess around on his wife, he couldn't do it. He got sick. The husband began to see her little prayer room. He began to see change. That made that husband want to what? Come on, y'all know all this. That made him want to change. You know what gets me? People in the church say, I have changed, but they're doing the same thing just a different day. When you truly have changed, you don't have to tell nobody about your change. Because the more you get enlightened through this word, I'm going to tell you something. The light is going to expose. This word is full of light. So when you get in the light, it's going to expose the darkness. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I do hear this. I'm hearing him say, you ain't been in the light long enough. Because if you can't um, see for yourself what's going on with you and everybody else see it, it tells me where you've been. Nobody should have to see everything about you. If you in the word that much, you should see yourself. Nobody shouldn't have to tell you, yeah, I see, I see, I see. You should know. And then some people deny what people are telling them they see. The more you spend time in the light, you're going to expel, you're going to expose the darkness. That's what this word is. This word gives light and it exposes everything that's in darkness. Some people I have dealt with and I'm on the phone and I'm giving them the word and telling them what the word is saying and it's just like, 
Amen. Okay, you say that ain't you. I'm just delivering the word. I'm just a messenger. So you can't make them take it. You just have to give it to them and you go on because you know the word is what's going to bring change if they receive that word. When you give them the word and give them truth, that's when change is supposed to take place. Remember, repent means to change your mind. It means to think differently. It means to turn from sin and turn unto God. The problem is when you are truly in the repentant mode, don't you go hang around somebody that ain't in the word like you are because you're going to turn right back to what you were doing because they're going to make you feel like it's okay and you still saved. I ain't never seen such mess in my life. And people are falling for that. I had gotten a, um, a video. Um, Apostle shared this video with me. And I don't know if y'all have seen this video, but there's a man that have followers and they're tattooing 666 on their bodies. He's saying, I'm the Antichrist and I am better than Jesus Christ. So he's changing their mind. This man is getting over a million dollars from his followers and got them all over the world. He said, I am better. I heard him say, than Jesus Christ. He can do more than Jesus Christ can do. He said it on CNN. So he got people with the sick. He said, I am the Antichrist. The Antichrist is here. He's changing people's minds. So you imagine now, I'll give you a clue. It was on Facebook. Can you imagine how many followers is on Facebook? Can you imagine somebody getting a hold to this video and he's speaking, they think he's speaking truth, but it's not truth. Y'all, this is nothing to play with because the enemy is coming in like a flood, but the spirit of the living God that's in us has to raise up a standard against it. And the only way you can do it is you knowing the word for yourself. If you don't, you will be fooled. So this is why we can't let anything block us from truth. When you have not truly repented or if you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, remember we said that's iniquity. That means that you feel like it's okay. There's no problem with what I'm doing. So that means that you're saying I'm still saved. But you keep doing what you're doing. Don't you know you're going to get followers because when pe people who love sin, that's who they're going to yield their members to. Whomever you yield your members to, that's whom you're going to obey. So when you open the door for one sin and you don't close it, you're inviting everything else to come behind it because the door is still open. So it's time for us, first of all, to deal with us and say, God, show me me. Show me what's in my life that I haven't let go of that I'm blaming other people for. We have to take responsibility for ourselves. So another scripture we looked at how he said godly sorrow leads to to repentance. And the other part of that says, but the kind of sorrow the world has brings death. So we know that's what happens with the world. It brings death because they're not truly sorrow. Sorry. We went over Job 42, 6. And this is, y'all know Job. Job went through a lot and he had friends to come to him and tell him all of this stuff. Y'all know all about that. But when God began to speak to Job, when the word of God began to come forth, guess what? Job had a change of mind. He had a change of heart. And this is what Job, Job said in Job 42, 6. So now I hate, despise myself. I will change my heart in life, repent, and will sit in dust and ashes. 
for his questioning of God, not for anything that led to his suffering. So see, Job began to question God. But when God began to speak to Job, this is what I'm saying. When the word began to speak to you, Job didn't look at none of his friends. Job looked at Job, and that's what the word is supposed to do to us. The enemy don't want you to get in the word because he don't want you to see you. He wants you to stay out of the word so you can uh, point at everybody else except you. But Job, when he heard what God was saying, Job began to repent. He had a change of mind. Let's talk about turning back from God because of situations in our lives. Let's talk about that, how we turn away from God because of situations that's in our lives. And I'm going to give you a scripture on that. It's Exodus 13, verse 17. Exodus 13, verse 17. Exodus 13, verse 17. And it came to pass... When Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although they were near. For God said, lest preadventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. So God, when he brought them out of Egypt, he did not take them in the way of the Philistines. Because he knew if he took them that way, it would lead to war. And they weren't ready for war. He said, if I take them that way, they're going to change their mind. They're going to turn away from me and they're going to go back to Egypt. So what is God saying in this? When you are with a person and you know this person is not where they need to be, some things you cannot share with this person. What am I saying? If you got a babe in Christ that have just come to the Lord and you got situations going on in your life or something somebody may have done to you and you know that person is close to you, You cannot be sharing everything with that person because you will turn that person in a direction that they don't need to go in. What am I saying? That person will try to take up for you, take up the slack. They will end up saying stuff that they should not be saying to another person. And it would put them in a place where sometimes people say, I just shouldn't even got saved. It's worse being saved than it is being a sinner. I'm getting more stuff coming at me now that I'm saved than when I was in the world with sin. So if you putting a person in a place, you can have them to change their mind about who they are now that they are in Christ. So situations in our lives, if we're not where we need to be with the Lord, it would have us to change our mind. It would have us to think about salvation. Should I have gotten saved? It's worse now. I'm losing my friends. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. So we have to be careful when situations do come in our lives. How do we handle those situations? As I was going over this today, I was going over my life and I said, Lord, there could have been some things I could have prevented or some things maybe I should not have said to take people to a certain place they don't need to be in. And y'all, I began to say, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. Lord, I, I, I repent if I have caused anybody to stumble because I don't want nobody to stumble. I don't want them to go in a way that they should not go. I'm telling you, when you meditate on these scriptures, you have to stop and say, Lord, check me because I don't want nobody to uh, stumble because of something I said or something I did. And this come to me. Have you ever said something and you knew the Holy Spirit told you not to say nothing, but you said it anyway? After you said it and the outcome was not good, then after that, Lord, forgive me. I'm so sorry for what I've done. Lord, if I hadn't said that, them people wouldn't be fighting right now. 
But now they're fighting. The damage already done. Do y'all understand how important it is when the Holy Spirit tell you, be quiet. When the Holy Spirit say, you don't need to get in that. You listen to him because once you do damage, you can't undo that damage. You look at David and Bathsheba. David knew what God's command said, but David allowed his flesh to go over what the word of God was saying. So guess what? It ran through David's house. I got something to tell y'all. When you do something that's not right, even though Jesus has forgiven you for past, present, and future sins, you're going to go through for what you've done wrong. It's going to hit your house one way or another. If it don't hit you, it's going to go through your house. You know how people say, you reap what you sow. You talk about me, guess what? Somebody going to talk about you. You dig a hole for me, somebody already done dig one for you. So see, this is why we have to understand when the Holy Spirit is speaking, we need to take heed to what he's saying because once the damage is done, I have learned this. When you are so hurt by something somebody done and a person say, I'm so sorry, I shouldn't have done it, too late. You done done it. The damage is done. There's nothing you can do to change it. Now it's up to me or it's up to that person to say, Holy Spirit, mend my broken heart. Bind up all of my wounds because I can't do this because just looking at that person makes me shut down and don't want to deal with them no more. See, you have to really be honest and say, this is where this has taken me. Because some people are suppressed that. And say, I have forgiven you. It's okay. No, it's not okay. Let's just talk about it. I'm mad. I'm mad and the only one can help me with this is God. You can't even help me with this. You put me in this situation. You chose to do this. It's not nothing I chose to do. This is why I'm saying, y'all, when we know the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, men and women, when the Holy Spirit says, thou shall not commit adultery. Y'all know we put them thou in there. Because that's what the words say. If you got a King James, you're going to remember thou, right? <laughs> you're going to remember that. So if you think in it, you got to think it before you begin to do it. Is that not right? For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, so is he become. Ain't nobody just going to jump in the bed without thinking about it first. If anybody just jumped in somebody's bed and didn't think about it first, you had to think about it to get roused up, didn't you? You had to think about when you was going to do it, where you were going to do it. You had to have conversations about doing it. Is that not right? So everybody in here got a conscience. Your conscience, even before you were born again, told you what was right and told you what was wrong. Did it not? But thank God we got a conscience that was clean through the blood of Jesus. And even though that conscience was clean, you still have the Holy Spirit saying, no, don't do that. Then after you get what you want, then you rise up and say, I shouldn't have done that. Don't you know your sin is going to find you out? It may not be tomorrow. It may be, what, 10, 15 years down the road, but it's going to blow up in your face. It's going to be just like Abel's blood crying from the ground. See, he thought nobody would know what he did, but God heard Abel's blood crying from the ground. Look at your neighbor and say, do you think anybody can keep a secret but God? Ask them again. Because it's going to come up and come out because <laughs> this is what the Holy Spirit is showing me. Y'all know the Catholics still do it. So if you mess with a Catholic person, they're going to get in that boot. Father, I have sinned. 
and they're confessing the sin to that man, and that man is in there with his eyes bucked, saying, oh, Lord. <laughs> and then they're going to tell somebody else. They're going to tell somebody, now it's in your house. Well, I went to the priest, and I didn't think they were going to tell it. Hmm. So this is why we have to truly, when we do something, y'all, you have to be godly sorrow. And when you godly sorrow, it's going to lead to what? Repentance. Nobody's going to have to tell you because you're going to truly repent. You recognize what you've done, and you say, God, I thank you that you have already forgiven me from this, and you begin to turn from it. Let's talk about somebody, and the Holy Spirit is bringing them back, Judas. In Matthew 27, 3, the Bible tells us, dealing with Judas, y'all know what he did. After he saw that Jesus was condemned, after he turned Jesus over, y'all, after he rejected the Holy One, the Anointed One. The Bible says that he was gripped with remorse. That's what the Amplified said. And then he returned the 30 pieces of silver. Jesus was already ready to be crucified. He was already condemned. Now he said within him, see, he's saying this to himself. He repented himself. Meaning that Judas didn't go to God, y'all, to repent of what he'd done. He repented himself, and I'm going to give you a scripture to tell you that Judas went to hell. Did anybody believe that? I'm going to show you. Some people, when I went over this, that's why the Holy Spirit say, go back again, because some people saying, well, he repented. He, he repented, and then he went to the people and told them that he was sorry for what he'd done. Is that not what the word said? And, and y'all know what they said to him. This is so funny. They didn't care. He went to them, and, he, and the Bible says, then Judas, when, which had betrayed him when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See thou to that. He cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. He hung himself. Now, I'm going to prove to you that this man went, to hell. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 26, 25. Well, let me go back up here. Matthew 26, 24. The son of man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It had not been good for that man if he had not been born. Give you another scripture. Go to John 17. This is Jesus speaking. This is talking about Judas. John 17, verse 12. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition. perdition. That means destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. So he was already doomed for destruction. He said all of them was um, saved except one that was lost. That was Judas. So he already said where he was going. But Judas, he had remorse, but he still didn't ask God for that forgiveness. So, see, we got to understand that some people, and I'm going to give you another scripture, um, dealing with people who uh, start repenting, but it's really not a godly sorrow. Let's look at this scripture here. Is repentance based upon emotions? No. Hebrews 12, 17. For ye know how that afterwards, 
when he would have inherited the blessing, this is Esau, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. This is what happened with Esau. Esau was asking his daddy, he was saying, come on, give me the blessing. Isaac said, I cannot give you the blessing. It's already been given to Jacob. So Esau was crying, thinking, if I cry, he's going to change his mind. This scripture is saying, too, if God has given you a chance to change, the gospel is being spoken unto you. You hearing the good news concerning Jesus, what he's bringing with the kingdom and how you have to accept Jesus to get into the kingdom. And you hearing this and you turn away from this, it don't matter how you cry. When it's time for him to separate the sheep from the goat, you're not coming. See, some people think just because they cry, you know, you get some people coming to the altar because, you know, the message was so good and they feel like, you know, I'm, I'm going to serve Jesus. I'm just boo and crying because they got the feeling. Then Monday morning, they're doing the same thing that they always have done and they really accepted him as their Lord and Savior. So when you truly godly sorrow, you turn from what you are doing and you're willing to live the life that the word of God is telling you to live. And I'm going to tell you, it's not a hard life because the Holy Spirit is there to help you. And if he's there to help you, you will be quick to say, no, I was wrong. Um, I was uh, listening to the Holy Spirit on this too. You know how sometimes the Holy Spirit will tell you, go back to that person and apologize. And you go back to that person and apologize and you say, well, you know, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said what I'm saying. They say, no, you okay? No, I'm not okay. Because, see, I'm following the Holy Spirit. When you follow him, that person may think nothing you said was wrong, but you know what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. I advise you to do what he tells you to do. Why? Because eventually the enemy going to come back in and whisper at that person and say, you see what they said to you? You see how they tried to embarrass you? Uh-huh. They, they knew what they were doing. So what is that going to cause? It's going to cause strife. It's going to cause confusion. Then every evil work is going to come in. This is why you got to go to your brother or sister. When you feel like there's a wedge or you feel like something is going on with anyone, you go to that person and you say, if I have offended you, forgive me. That was not my intention. I want to ask y'all something. Why is it so hard for people to go to folk? Pride. What's another reason? Depending on themselves. What else is it? Scared. Don't want to mad at them. Or how about this? Make people happy. I feel like people push too much up under the rug and don't deal with it. Then everything come from under the rug and it hits you in the face and you wonder why you're going through what you're going through because you just lied. Ain't nothing wrong with me. I'm fine. Don't do anything what we say. I'm all right. No, 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 let's deal with this right now. I ain't all right. I ain't all right. I, I just got to tell you that what you said, it was not acceptable unto me. So we need to talk about this. Now I'm coming to you. We need to talk about this. Don't throw this up in my face later. I always tell my husband that. He tell me that too. We be sitting down sometime. Y'all know a woman don't forget nothing. Men, do y'all know that? We don't forget nothing. 
Because we'll make you remember the color of the shoes, the color of everything. You remember it was this day right here. I know it was. You can't tell me that it didn't get in an argument over that. And then the argument gets so heated, neither one of you want to apologize. I ain't saying nothing. What you looking at? Seriously, you look at them. What you look? What you looking at me for? You mad, ain't you? Who said I'm mad? Why you say I'm mad? You the one started it. Then you calm down. A week later, I need to tell you something. You remember when we was in the kitchen and we was eating some chicken? You remember I sent you to go get this chicken and da 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 da. You remember what you said to me? What are you talking about? You know what you said? After you say you were okay. Is that not what we do? See, the enemy know, I'm going to get you one way or the other. I'm going to keep building it up, building it up. But I'm telling you, a godly person who's in the word of God, you say, "Uh uh-uh, we ain't moving. (laughs) Until we get this right here addressed, we ain't moving. Let's talk about this. Let's communicate. Let me tell you how I feel about it. And then if the Holy Spirit tell you to shut up, just shut up. (laughs) But until that time... You're supposed to speak truth in love. You don't let stuff keep going and going and going. Because guess what? Somebody else is going to get what I've done to you and you didn't handle me. Somebody else is going to get it all. And they're going to be like, what I do? So this is why we have to check ourselves. So the next scripture is, how, how do you know someone has repented? We talked about that, the lifestyle, right? Leave this scripture with you. Jonah 3.10. Y'all remember Jonah. Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. He refused to go to Nineveh because he knew if he went to Nineveh to preach, those people were going to have a change of mind. They were going to turn from what they were doing, so he was running from God. He knew God was a merciful God, so y'all know what they did. They threw him aboard. The fish swallowed him. He began to repent. He got out of the fish, and God sent him to Nineveh, and Nineveh repented. Because Jonah 3.10 said, and God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. Now look at there. Jonah knew that. So y'all know Jonah got mad after that, but God still had mercy. So you're going to see people works. You're going to see that their life has truly changed. Last scripture, and I know y'all happy, right? Matthew 3.8. This is... um, Matthew 3, 8, John, he said, bring forth therefore fruits, meat for repentance. So the fruit, you're going to bear fruit that's going to show who you are now that you're in Christ. The fruit that's coming forth out of you, people are going to see change. They're going to see that your thinking has changed. They're going to see that your way of living has changed. What is this teaching telling all of us? It's telling us. That if you're in the word of God the way you need to be in the word of God, I'm going to say it like Gloria said. Ain't nobody got time for all this foolishness. This is what the enemy is doing in the house of God. He's allowing, all, he ain't allowing it, we're allowing it. All of this mess to go on, strife, jealousy, he said, she said, and people getting mad because thinking this one's in charge when that one should be in charge, thinking this, that, or the other. Instead of doing what the word of God tell you to do, we spend too much time hating our brother and sister because we ain't got a full understanding of what's going on. So the enemy know as long as we keep this ill will, as long as we keep all of these things in our heart, it is stopping us from moving forward with what we're supposed to be doing, discipling. So that's why a true disciple 
he's going to be the first one to say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. I should not have said that. And the problem is, just hush after you say all that. Just hush. Don't keep going with it. Once you tell that man you're sorry, don't keep saying, well, if you had her, I wouldn't have. You don't do that. You just go on. Y'all, I learned this lesson a long time ago. I know, I remember telling y'all when me and my husband got in another situation and um, I went in the room and I was talking about that man to God. See, I can do that. I was telling that God, I was telling God about that man. It make no sense. He know he wrong. But when I calmed down, let the Holy Spirit minister to me, the Lord said, I want you to go out and I want you to tell him you're sorry. I refuse to hear that. Because I said, what am I sorry for? I ain't done nothing. But the Lord said, I want you to do what I require you to do. If he never says he's sorry, then you do what I tell you to do. So look, y'all, the Lord know your thoughts are far off. I said, okay. He said, and keep your butt out of it. Because I was going to say, but if you had not said, he already knew what I was. I said, I can't get away with nothing. So I went out there being obedient to the Lord, telling my husband I was sorry. You think he said anything? You know what I did? I went right back into that prayer closet and I started complaining to God. I said, look, I done what you said. He ain't said nothing. He did it the next day though. But see, God was dealing with me, y'all. He was pulling something out of me to see if I was going to be more with my husband or be more with him. See, God want us to be obedient to him no matter how we feel. We have to be obedient even though the person that have hurt us is close to us. We still have to be obedient to the Lord and do what he tell us to do. He's going to comfort us. He's going to give us what we need. Women, is anybody in here like me? Nobody can make you madder than your mate. Is that the truth? They know where to hit you at. Men, nobody can make you madder than that woman. They know where to hit you at. Don't let them look at you wrong. They look at you, you know the hush. A man will tell a woman in a minute, don't you embarrass me like that no more. I ain't embarrassed you. I'm just telling you like it is. You ain't have to wait. I got in public to tell me nothing. <laughs> I'm the man. I'm the priest of the home. Why act like it then? I'm just, I'm just acting up for y'all. That ain't my husband. But this is what we do. So the Holy Spirit will let us know, y'all, what's going on. And he will... Let us know how to go in the right way. And the right way is through the word of God. The more you in the word of God, it is not going to take you long to see you. You're going to see you before you see anybody else. Because many a times I want to say something. The Holy Spirit said, wait a minute. Have you not been in that situation? Don't say nothing. That's how I know everybody in here that's born again serve the same God I serve. And it should not take you. A week to tell somebody, I'm sorry, you don't know what's going to happen to that person within that week. You want to clear your conscience of all of that stuff. So it's time for us, y'all, if we're going to truly repent and be godly sorrowful for what we've done, it's going to take the Holy Spirit and it's going to take the word of God for you to see yourself. So I pray by going over this teaching on repentance, it will help all of us to see ourselves before we look at anybody else. Amen. Do anybody have anything that they want to talk about on repentance that may help someone? Anyone? Or is everybody okay?
I guess we don't have no repenters in here, huh? We don't have nobody in here that never had to repent that knew, Lord, it's me. It wasn't them, Lord, it was me. I should have kept my mouth shut. If I had to kept my mouth shut, all of this wouldn't have escalated, but I just didn't know how to keep my mouth shut. I'm always opening my mouth at the wrong time, and there you is beating yourself up, making it worse. Can you get the mic? I said, I've been geared to many times for knowing not to say nothing, but I just got to get it out. And then when you get it out, the as God's meant for forgiveness, and you know you shouldn't start with, that's just like what Judas did. But, you know, damage been done now, so I know we've all been guilty for that. Amen. And doesn't that hurt more when you know what you caused that you should not have caused, but now you caused it? And the enemy keep throwing it up in your face and say, this wouldn't have happened to them if you hadn't said this or if you hadn't done that. Thank God for repentance. Thank God for Jesus. Can you give Shirley the mic after you finish, Jennifer? I know for myself, these teachings, mine hasn't been so much um, brewing up something for somebody else. But when I say something, then I think I'm making my daddy look bad. And that's what hurts. That's what's really hurtful to me mm-hmm. is I'm making my daddy look bad. That makes me a bad witness. And it just makes you, um, you, you know, you think next time. I, I got to think before I open my mouth next time. It's who you represent. When you think about who you represent, it really hurts when you say, I let down my father. Mm-hmm. That's not how he would do it. And that makes you want to go to that person even quicker. To say, I was wrong. I was out of place. Forgive me for that. Or say, don't, or what I would want to say would be, don't judge my daddy or don't judge the ministry I'm under because of what I said or how I acted. That was out of line. It was, you know, it was out of character. That's not what I'm being taught. I know better. I just wanted to say that, um, we really have to be careful how we speak about different things when we're talking to people because we can not intentionally cause a stumbling block in their way, not realizing it, not even thinking about what you're doing because people may not always express it, but you could be or could have planted something there that wouldn't have been there if you hadn't have said what you said. But sometimes we as people say things and keep going and think nothing of it, but along the way you plant the seed that you shouldn't plant and it can cause them to stumble and you're the cause of it. And you may not even realize you're the cause of them feeling the way they do about certain things but you planted that seed and never give it a thought. So I pray, when I pray, I ask the Lord to help me to study to be quiet. Help me to know what to say, when to say it, and how to say it. Because if you don't do that, it's so easy to say the wrong thing. And then when you think about what you said, you're already forgiven us for what we say, but we do have to repent daily because none of us is perfect. We work in 
you know, we're believers and working toward, you know, building the kingdom. But we just, uh, we have to think before we speak. If we don't, we're going to mess up a lot of times. Amen. Is there anyone else? Well, I pray we got something out of repentance. Amen. Okay, we're going to let the deacon, can you get the mic, Brother Willie, and Sister Shirley, and we're going to, do we have any announcements?